Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hi, my name is Mark Kate. Welcome to episode 39 of Why We Listen. In this podcast, I meet with my guests to listen to and talk about music. I ask them to choose three pieces of music in advance, using whatever criteria they like, and we listen to those songs and we talk. In this episode, I meet with Brontes Purnell in my studio in San Francisco. Brontes is a choreographer and writer and musician based in San Francisco. We listen to Make Me Yours by Betty Swan, Out of Me by Bikini Kill, and Ex Offender by Blondie. And we talk about adolescent anger and the soul music revival and the quality of current pop music. Right now, in the background, we're listening to Lost Area, Sprinkles Lost Dance Floor, original version by June. If you don't already, oh, how you should subscribe to Why We Listen on iTunes or Stitcher. It's very easy. And if you're into it, please comment and rate. I can't express how much of a difference it makes to this podcast when listeners take a moment to engage. So when I was a teenager living in the suburbs of the San Francisco Bay Area, and I was old enough to drive into San Francisco to see shows, go shopping, meet friends, I only knew one way in and out of the city, an off-ramp in the Soma district, long pre-Google Maps. If I got off this exit, I could find my way almost anywhere in the city to see Jane's Addiction at the Fillmore, to see Love and Rockets at Wolfgang's, to go shopping at American Rag on Bush Street, to take photos at the Sutra Baths like all Bay Area goths do. Uh, that freeway exit in Soma lets itself off just in front of the stud. So that big sign, if you've seen it, stud, was my gateway to the rest of the city. This was a time in my life when I was getting attacked in the street for being a fag, getting into situations that I couldn't talk my way out of for wearing makeup and skirts to school, when I was surrounded by a group of friends who had mostly yet to find their way out of their teenage suburban closets, but I was on the receiving end of violence. I would see that sign, stud, as so bold and fearless. I mean, I was far more interested in androgyny and avoiding exaggerated forms of masculinity. So the name was pretty corny to me, but no less powerful, stud. Every time I would drive into San Francisco, I would turn and look to see who might be under that sign. Like, who is this stud? Uh, who in this era, devastated by AIDS? Who, when even I was being gay bashed, who was this stud? It just seemed so emphatic, like here I am, declarative, affirmative. About 15 years later, after I'd moved to San Francisco, I started to go to the stud, and eventually I got a job there, doing security, uh, like checking IDs, keeping the drinks inside the club, helping strays find their way. And one night, standing at the door, I saw a car full of kids slowly driving by, all craning their necks my way, all staring. And I stared back, and I realized that was me driving by 15 years ago. And this is me under this sign. I am the stud. And I laughed really hard because I am I am no lowercase s stud. I was really proud to be an ambassador to 
to some kind of queer San Francisco. I was really honored to get to stand under that sign that truly means something. This week, the studs' rent tripled. The owner, Michael McElhaney, who I went to art school with before he was my boss, he was already ready to sell the business and to return to his hometown to take care of his family. So right now, the future of the stud is very, very uncertain. And here I am again, at the top of an episode of Why We Listen, talking about culture and real estate. I spoke a bit about this, um, how it ties to a podcast about music in the last episode, which I recommend listening to. And again, right after that intro to Why We Listen episode 38, talking about how critical queer space is, how critical LGBTQQI space is. My wife Monique Jenkinson and I talk about the, I don't know if it's a paradox, but the conflict of witnessing an evolution in your political struggle. Like, for example, it's kind of outrageous when young women aren't part of the feminist cause, right? But isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we're aiming for? Like, isn't the greatest sign of success that the younger generations are so beyond your struggle that they don't even know much about it? Queer culture is changing a lot. In an era of, like, grinder over here and kids identifying as gender non-conforming over there, queer space can maybe be felt as less urgent. But as we saw with Orlando so recently, queer space has to be protected. Times change, businesses come and go, cultures evolve. Part of me doesn't want to let go of that space where I saw so many tranny shacks and heard Bjork DJ and witnessed things that I'm far too much of a gentleman to describe on this podcast. But more important than our collective nostalgia or my personal nostalgia is our need for what is essentially original safe space where art and culture and love and sex can happen without the interference from interlopers from real estate developers. I think what may save the stud is this lineage, this legacy, which is important. But what I think is more important is that I believe that the stud and spaces like it still have work to do, still has art to host, still has lives to save, can still be a beacon of freedom. And speaking of a beacon of freedom, Here's Brontez Purnell. So, um, I'm just going to shame you right off the top that you showed up completely unprepared. You didn't bring any music. I did not. But I think that might be for the better because you're selecting music that you found in my iTunes library. Yes. Which is rad. Which is like a lot of people, I suppose, pretty vast. So I might not even know the music that you chose because it's not like I know everything in there well, right? It's like, they're all they're all really important songs from my teenage years. Oh, rad. Yeah, so. My music from your teenage <laughs> yes. years. Oh, that's great. But let's talk about you and music because you're dancer, choreographer, musician, and probably a bunch of other things I don't know about, but, um... <laughs> a tax evader. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want me to edit that out? Uh, no. Okay, whatever. good for you. Um, 
Do you, um, I don't think I've seen you perform music in the context of dance. Do you, do those two worlds cross over a lot for you or are they kind of separate or have I just missed it? You know, I think probably, I think probably you missed it. Like a lot of times, um, especially when I first started, when I first started Brontes Pernell Dance Company, like it was always like a live drummer or like people that like, usually the people I'm playing in a band with, like recently we just got my dance company and the band got flown out to Texas to the University of Austin to do a show um, for them. And I led a movement workshop in the rhythm section for my band. Ezra and Rich like played music while I led people across the floor. So yeah, I feel like it intertwines a pretty good bit. Yeah. You just recorded a new album, right? Yeah. Like, Younger Lovers album. Yeah. I actually have to put down the deposit to finish it. <laughs> to, we, With we all tracked, that tax money you're not paying. Mm-hmm. We, like, we tracked nine songs, um, but we still have four more to go because we're, um, yeah, we're trying to finish up the new LP. So, What's it like? It, Is it similar to the last record? Is it? It's, like, way different, like... I don't know, like, all the Younger Lovers records have been, like, different, but this is the first one that I've ever, like, recorded with a band, like, all oh, of them. yeah, right. Yeah. They're usually, like, just, like, solo, like, I play everything, like, because I'm really, really controlling, like, a secret, <laughs> a big secret about me is, like, I'm a huge No, we, we know. Like, <laughs> so, but I have, like, um, this rhythm section that's really, really, that's really, really cool, and, um, yeah, like, I feel like the older stuff was, like, kind of, like, more, like, garage or whatever, but, like... I'm so over that scene, so our new record sounds... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm just just like, I'm over it. So the new record sounds like... We sound like a 90s alternative band. Sweet. (laughs) We do like an Arches of Love cover. What? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Mark just rolled his eyes at me. You can't see that, people. I don't know if I rolled my eyes. I think they crossed. That's a confusing choice. Um, Well... I'm curious, how do you find working with um, controlling a band? How do you find, like, um, you know, w- when you're when you're a choreographer, that's one way of, like, okay, wrangling people and, tell, you know, getting them to do what you want versus what they want. And then a band is obviously another way. How do you find it differs between the two? I feel like... There's something about movement where I feel like you can just sco- even if someone moves completely different than you like you can like there's there's so much more language behind it and you can like you can really sculpt it but it's just like I don't know like music is so different and like pe- the way people play and what people hear is like so ingrained into them like for a long time in the younger lovers like um I would always drum because I'm just like inherently my like my backbeat is just kind of more like this like R&B feel like kind of like this like four on the floor, you know, like, and plus I make pop songs, so it's just, like, it's really cute, you know, but then I would always get, like, these these big drummers, you know what I'm saying, and so, like, a song that I feel like is supposed to sound, like, kind of more twee will end up sounding like Green Day, you know what I mean, like, just, and I love Green Day, I don't, actually don't mind that anymore, but that was, like, one of the big, like, that was one of the big hurdles, you know, now I don't, I don't know, I don't, I'm not so... I'm a lot more like loose with it or whatever, but you know, I'm always I'm always completely confused as like the disparity between like playing in a punk band and like having like I don't know, doing like high art or whatever, like uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. even like I don't know, like even like the money you make, like I feel like I spent like 
10 years playing for free. Now people will like, I don't know, fly us out and do stuff. That's but, great. Yeah, no, they're, they're very different economies. It's interesting because of course I'm, you know, I'm a musician and my wife Monique is a choreographer and we both sort of have our fingers in a lot of pies which is an expression that makes no much sense. I've never thought about how little sense that makes. Um, it's pots. Pie. So many pots? Pies and many pots. Yeah. That doesn't make more. That's the same. Or you're like, wait, you're stirring. You have your hands in a lot of pots. Or you're, you're stirring a lot of pots. I've heard a lot. Of, I get what you're saying. You do a lot of stuff. I, I'm busy. <laughs> like, um, and and the, the discrepancy between how the contemporary dance world operates and the way so many music economies operate are it's really interesting how very different they are how a nightclub difference differs so fundamentally from like an art space a performance art space you know oh it's it's totally it's like totally night and day the biggest thing i notice is alcohol it's alcohol it's money it's, it's, it's alcohol it's selling alcohol for money and art spaces refuse to do it well even when they're allowed Oh, for sure. It's always like one. Well, because you're just you're expected like at a, like a show. You're expected to get shit faced drunk and watch a band. Like yeah. you're not supposed to get shit faced drunk and consume dance, which I have done and been shunned for. So <laughs> I try to learn my lesson, but I still do it. <laughs> well, I think there's also also a little bit of a, a scarce not scarcity uh, a, a poverty mentality with a lot of art spaces where um you know a bar so often venues will be like well actually the music is secondary like bands are just a way to get people in here drinking whereas a lot of art spaces i find are like you know we need to beg for grants but we can't have a bottle opener that works on the premises so if anybody <laughs> if anybody wants to buy wine we don't know how to accommodate them like you could probably write fewer grants if you knew how to open a bottle of wine quickly. <laughs> I, anyway. Just get your investors a little tipsy and then ask for money. Oh my God. It totally does not work that way. Does it? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, huh? I've never been, yeah. Okay. So let's listen to some music. Okay, cool. Do you want to set it up or shall we just listen and then talk? Um, I guess we, let's set the first one up. What's the first one? I, I don't know. It, I think you it was Betty. It was Betty Swan. Make me yours. Um, and yeah, I don't know. This is just a cute one. I'd be lucky. 
got an iphone like last month like i had a flip phone up until last month so i'm just like i'm really fascinated with brave new world yeah it's yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, i don't go for it as much as other people though i have like i have like grinder and i facetime with my mom but that's about as like crazy as i get oh just you wait <laughs> well you're saying you're saying that's as crazy as you get but you spent the entire song on your phone i know i was just so, checking so there you, I, yeah i know we're all just <laughs> checking whatever <laughs> so what what do you think of the way in which soul music of the era of that song is being so present right now it's being so revisited um at least i don't know i all i know is san francisco and especially my neighborhood but i feel like there's so many soul night parties where 20 somethings are like dancing to their great grandparents i feel like and i feel like that is definitely like a west coast thing you know oh, what yeah. i'm saying and plus i also think like because i mean the whole mod resurgence thing happened like this that scene was like in la in the 80s you know what i mean like mm-hmm. so it was like when you go to new york and you talk about like whenever i'm in new york and i'm talking about like oh like a soul night blah 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 people are like what are you talking about <laughs> like i definitely think i definitely think it's really specific i definitely think it's really specific to hear actually like when i first when I first moved here, I used to do, this was like from like 2004 to about 2007 or eight. I did a soul night at um, Aunt Charlie's called The Hop. That was really cool. But I don't know, like I love like, like just like, you know, like 60s blues and soul and stuff. Like my grand, you know, Eli's Mile High. Do you know that club in Oakland? Like, no. It was like a big West Coast, like blues, like blues place or whatever and my grandma's brother was one of the co-owners 
And so um, him and this guy, Choice Key, he had had some like blues songs on Warner Brothers in the 50s. He was an Oakland artist. There was like Eli, who owned it, who was like this like pimp and like one of his girls shot and killed him one night at, at the club. And so my grandmother's brother and his bandmate bought it after that. Um, and so it's, it's, yeah, they put out his like first records and stuff and like they were part of the Galaxy Records crew. Like he was a session player for Credence Clearwater Revival and like Etta James and like, so Etta James and people like that would play the Paramount and then the after club would, the after party would be at Eli's, you know, like John Lee Hooker would do stuff there. You know what I mean? Like, and plus he like never told me any of that either. I had learned this on Wikipedia as an adult, <laughs> a good, a good, t- like almost like 10 years after he died or eight years, eight years or something like that. Yeah. So crazy. I was like, yeah, but like that, that music, yeah, the music of that area means, it means a lot to everybody, you know, but I still like, it's like what I listen to, like when I'm home, like I'm not, yeah. I don't know. I feel like music in general, though, like, I feel like R&B is not, I feel like R&B has been replaced by EDM. Like, I feel like when I was a teenager or whatever, like, most, like, um, most samples came from, like, just 60s, like, soul or just old school soul. But now I feel like it's all, like, beeps and tweedles and, you know, and I mean, I'm glad, like, things, like, change, but I do feel like my, I do feel, um... Ugh, like my taste feel a little dated sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. but, and so it should be, you know, your date, be, your date, your, your taste should be dated. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Like, how do you mean? I'm getting older. Like, okay. What they, what is top 40 now? Like, I don't even go near it, you know, as opposed to when I was a teen. Well, I guess, like, when you're a teenager and in your 20s, that's when you... Well, I guess a lot everyone listens to, like, Top 40, but, like, these days, like, what is, like, the, the most popular Top 40 songs? Like, I'm just, like, I am completely disinterested, like, physically repulsed. <laughs> like, yeah. So... My tastes are just really refined, actually. I'm not dated. It's just I have a really refined palate. Yeah, that's a better way to say it, right? It sounds better. Yeah, totally. Preserve, <laughs> preserves a bit of dignity. <laughs> but I, I think that at least what's happening with me as I get older, and I, I also get, I feel completely alienated from Top 40 music in a way that I wasn't when I was younger, is that I... Um, I find that my ability to distinguish whether it's good or not is gone. You know, I listen to largely current music. Like, I mostly listen to what's happening now. But chart music mystifies me. Because it just, it all just sounds, like, obviously terrible. But... I wonder if the problem is me or the problem is the music. It's obviously like, I assume, I assume it's the music, right? Like, <laughs> like this music is obviously garbage and it's not like it was better in my day. It's not about my day. It's just about what's happening now is particularly bad. We are having such an old man conversation. Just like, just like, I don't know about these kids these days and they're, <laughs> well, you chose music that's older than God. No, so. I know. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's true. Like, it's just like, and plus it's like, I don't, yeah, like, it's like, you hear it and it's like all music that's supposed to be played in like some huge club and like, 
like LA or somewhere and it's all just like yeah we're all gonna die young yeah I don't need anybody yeah like I'm just like wait a minute I'm not dead <laughs> like <laughs> I need plenty of people like, <laughs> like what are you talking about like I don't trust you kid <laughs> like <laughs> so no it's it's awful we're smart come on <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I sort of feel like it's on par with other <clears throat> pop culture. Like it, it strikes me as being as much. It's like no, it's like it's like the, reality television and Transformers movies and Miley Cyrus. It's not worth distinguishing. It's the okay. The reason we do not consume <laughs> top forty is the same reason we don't eat at McDonald's. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like seriously, like. It's mass driven. Yeah. We're obviously both some form of <laughs> counterculturalist, for lack of a better term. So, sure. yeah. And also, they're not speaking to us. Like, they're totally not. We are not who they have in mind. True. They, you know what I mean? Like, and plus, yeah. I've always, you know, I've always generally, maybe that's just like an outsider thing, but it's also like you can tell when someone, when you're not the target audience, which unfortunately is how I feel about like, 99% of the world. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, what can you do but your own thing? You know? <laughs> what do you want to hear for next? Okay, so the next one is Bikini Kill, which was had a huge influence on my life. Um, this is from the CD version of the first two records, and I remember like I was like in ninth or 10th grade, and like there was like a little zine that came with it, or the liner notes for the CD was like, like Kathleen Hanna, the singer, had like written just like this whole long, like this whole kind of like personal essay or whatever. And there was like this one part where it was like, she was just like, yeah, like being told that you're a piece of shit and not believing it is a form of resistance, right? And I was just like this young punk, like in like AP government, like hearing all these lies. It was Alabama, you know what I'm saying? So it was just like dumb. And I remember just like, I read that and it was like fucking just like fade to black, like like brain explode like just like a whole new license so um this particular album has always had a really warm place with me
Rad. Oh my god, that brought me back. Like sitting in my mom's house, all like crying and just being like, "I'm so, I'm such an angry teenager. I'm really angry." Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know, Bikini Kill were one of those bands that really helped give a sense of righteousness to. I don't know what you were angry about, but I'm going to assume that, like, <laughs> you know, that she spoke to that and, and like, it was giving voice to a certain degree of, Oof. you know. I don't think I even knew how angry I was until, but I feel like it was more in the, it was okay, or it used to be more okay to be, like, Angry? Mad. Yeah, mad or angry or, I don't know. Or, like, that was a thing. Nowadays, everyone's just, like... I don't know, like, hey man, like go talk to somebody, you know, like <laughs> get get <laughs> get your head right, like yeah, like yeah, there's no need for anger, man. Like, <laughs> too many available pharmaceuticals to be angry. Right, I the didn't want to kind of anger. I didn't want to say it. Like, I didn't want to say it. I thought it might be too controversial to say. But <laughs> thank you. For <laughs> <laughs> too controversial for this this podcast. Yeah, for sure. You still angry? Um, yeah, but it's not. I'm not like rah 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 about it. I probably just like stay. In, I just stay in bed. Like, <laughs> I, like I like love napping. Like, it's like my favorite thing. I was just like, I'll be like in my bed. I'm like, oh my god, no one can hurt me here. Like, <laughs> like I even like bought like extra pillows. Like, and like I used to have like a like a. I don't know that I had like some issues around it, but I talked to my aunt, like I called my aunt back in Alabama, and she was just like, "Well, at least you have enough sense to lie down. Think about how many crazy people just go into the world." Like, just like right, like I'm just gonna nap about it. So passive protest. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm not participating in your world. I'm gonna take a nap. Dude, fuck it. Like, yeah, like there's all these songs on the radio that are just like work and like working, like work, 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 work. And I'm just like, no, like, I quit. It's like, I quit. Fuck you. I'm taking a nap. Fuck. Yeah, they do. It's like work. Fuck you guys. Uh, I refuse. So, do you think that, that, I about this. How do you feel like that sort of like young anger and finding your way through a certain type of like a certain type of music has kept its voice into what you do now? Does it like do you feel like there's a part of you that's still there and still voicing these same concerns that yeah, actually yes. when you heard this song for the first time and read that? Oh, God. No. Yeah. And like sometimes I think it's like. It's kind of crazy, like, it's a, it's been, like, over half my life now. Like, I got that, yeah, I got that CD when I was, like, 14, like, 14, 15. Like, I'm 33, and it's, like, it's really weird, like, now when, like, because it's, like, when you first start, like, getting into this stuff, like, your parents are distrustful, like, everyone around you is distrustful, and they're all, like, the big thing is, like, oh, it's just a phase he's going through, it's just a phase he's going through, but then, like, I don't know, like, yeah, like, I was, like, we were, like, in Tiny Telephone recording, and I was just, like, playing with my punk band, and I'm just, like, wow, like, it totally wasn't a phase. <laughs> like, this is the life I've picked, you know? Like, yeah. so. Um, I think it calls into question, like, is this just what is essentially me, or am I stuck 
Am I trapped by my own sort of? No, for sure. No, for sure. Like, but and it's also like, but I don't know. It like I feel like the world like totally like it can force you into like that feeling and it's not like i don't know like it, it'd be different if like i don't know the world was going a lot of really interesting places but it's like i feel like the last great invention was like the internet right which accelerated knowledge and then completely tore it apart like i fucking spend hours of my day trying to discern like what is actually like a reliable news source and what's just something someone just like put you know what i'm saying like yeah. And there's no papers anymore because, you know, the trees are all gone. So <laughs> it's hard to feel it's hard to feel not stuck. But it's also just like, I don't know, there's plenty of things these days where it's just like, honey, I've jumped off of plenty of bridges, but it won't be that one. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I guess we'll see. There's <laughs> no one more song. No, let's stick on that for a minute. Yeah, okay. oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just, I think personally, I relate better to people who are slightly stuck in some sort of adolescence in some way. But I also just wonder if we all are. Like, like, like I think almost any time I do something that feels adult, I feel like I might, I'm just trying to fool people. Oh, you know what I for mean? sure. Oh my God. Like, oh. like my comfy space are things that aren't age related or are young leaning and anything like paying taxes or I don't know, drinking yeah. alcohol past 2 a.m. I'm just like, like, oh God, does you, it, like your go to. Right. And it's just like, I don't know. I have not... I'm, like I'm getting away with it somehow, even though. I've never, ever felt like an adult. And, like, I remember I just, I gave a talk at SFAI, um, like an artist talk, like a noon lecture. And, like, people, like, want to talk to me about, like, my art. And I was just, like, sitting there and just, like, like, I was hung over to the gods. Like, I had been up to, like, six in the morning with a bunch of queens in Oakland just kikiing and cackling about nothing. And it felt amazing, right? And then I had to, like, sit here. Like, I was sitting there in front of, like, all these, like, 22-year-olds being like, yeah, like, I'm a responsible artist. Like, really have it together. Like, yeah. What's your secret, Brontes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out what my secret is. Like... <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I've never felt like an adult. I may never. But then also, like, there's ways in which, like, like sometimes I talk to, like, my mom, who, like, I think would have been an artist if that path had, if she had felt more access to that, you know? And my mom, like, will see my life on Facebook, and she's just like, wow, like, I wish I did something like that, or, like, I never knew that that was a choice, or that seems really, you know, because it's like, I'm 33 now, by the time she was my age, like, she had, had a 10-year-old, like yeah. me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I used to be so mean to my parents, you know? Like, But then I forget, like, how young they had me and, like, how young all the people in that generation were as parents, you know? And I'm trying to think, like, if I had, like, an 11-year-old right now, especially, like, a little gay one where nothing was ever good enough for him and he was all angry and stuff, like, I'd be mad, too. Like, I'd just be like, oh, I'm stuck here. <laughs> like, Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, that's real, you know? Like, but if you're a mom, you're an adult, I mean, a lot of men get away with playing at being children their whole lives, even if they have kids. No, for but, sure. But largely, if you're a mom, you don't, you're not afforded the luxury of 
playing video games after all day with your bros. No, um, yeah, for sure. And I think that's another thing too. It's like, how do we? Because in our society, it's like you get married and you have kids, and then you have a car. But like, if you if you venture away from that very simple thing, what are the milestones to where you're like, oh, I've I've assessed adulthood. You know, like they're really hard. Like. A lot of my friends do it, like, maybe through their career or, like, maybe through, like, friends or, like, where they are with their friends or, like, like time is, like, these series of accomplishments we had or, like, these neighborhoods we used to live in but we live here now. You know what I mean? Like, there's these very, not very tangible ways of, like, how we, like, like, have I arrived yet? Like, am I adult? Like... I don't do taxes because they scare me. Like, I actually have to. And plus, I've never made enough money until this year to do it. So now, but I'm, like, terrified. Like, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I have to learn how to do taxes. Like, am I an adult now? Like, officially? (laughs) That might be the deciding factor, yeah. Um, To bring this somehow back to music i yeah. think the legacy of rock and roll this is i'm no yeah this stretch the legacy of, of rock and roll and everything that fed into it is that somehow youth culture triumphed like the baby boomers into what became rock and roll and rock and roll is now such this like you know and it that evolved into techno house and and hip-hop and so generally the the biggest musical cultural lexicon that most of us in america mostly, not everybody, draw from, is youth culture centric. It's it started as youth culture music, and that I think perseveres in a lot of ways, even though the Rolling Stones are still playing and even though, you know, Ooh. a lot of a lot of a lot of these DJs are in their forties and fifties that are touring the world and playing clubs. Um, there's still this energy and aliveness and and youthfulness that's at the core of it all and i think it keeps a lot of us sort of focused on a certain kind of youth energy um that maybe two generations ago in particular didn't necessarily have you know what i mean no does that make sense no i mean i can totally see that i can totally see that yeah yeah it's funny yeah it's like yeah i though i feel though as like someone who like plays rock and roll like I, I definitely feel like the whole like indie rock era has like is like gone you know what i mean like i definitely edm has definitely triumphed you know what i mean like sometimes it kills me like how much like djs make like the discre- like i've talked to some djs here like the total discrep the disparity between how much a dj makes and how much a band makes like is like so huge like so huge and the band has to divide the money up. Yeah. And you have to sound check and you have all this fucking equipment you've got to drag around. Oh, my Whereas God. Whereas a DJ, you can show up five minutes before you're set. Plug in and you're, like, ready to yeah. go. Yeah. Like, I DJed, I DJed this event over in Oakland the other night and, like, all I have is vinyl because I can't keep up with anything else. And, like, my computer is so... The computer I have is, like, it's old. It's gross. It's, like, covered in jizz. Like, <laughs> that computer doesn't like me and I don't like it anymore. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I need to just, like, update. But, like, even, like, bringing vinyl to a club, like, like kind of, like, the promoters were kind of, like, what are you doing? Like, you are totally making us, like, work harder for you. Like, uh, like, so... It's, it's really funny. It's funny. Like, it's really funny. Did you want to set this one up? or? Oh, um, so when the, I remember the first, 
how old was I? Probably like 13 when I got my first record player. And this was one of the two, the first two records, the first two vinyls I bought was the B-52's first record and Blondie Parallel Lines. So Parallel Lines, um, yeah, I've always loved Parallel Lines. And this is one of my favorite songs off that record. I saw you standing on the corner. You look so big and fine. I really wanted to go out with you. So when you smiled, I laid my heart on the line. totally made a mistake yeah that was not from parallel lines right that's from I, the first record yeah that's what i just looked up yeah but it, um i remember when i first started listening to blondie like it tripped me out that even because the music sounded so old to me in the 90s but yeah. in the 70s they were actually being retro yeah like which i thought is like so like same with the b-52s for sure so like yeah i guess yeah because it's like I guess there were like 20 years between each of those periods. 
So. Yeah. Um, and it's also interesting that with Blondie and like that song in particular, even though it was coming out of this like quote punk scene, this New York punk scene, it's really bubblegum. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty saccharine. Yeah. Not, not complaining. But yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of funny. Like what we, what we think of as being punk at this point, um, you know, what we associate punk meaning even in its origins doesn't really necessarily line up with, early talking heads, early Ramones and early, like, you know, Ramones were a little harder, but they were kind of bubblegum pop too. And Blondie, you know, it's so, well, I feel like it's always like, cause I say, I mean, I say punk a lot, you know, but it, I guess it means different things to different people yeah. Yeah. because like I'll see kids in like Oakland sometimes and like, they'll just like have like all these studs on their jacket and like mohawks and like bull like they like I feel like you had a choice it's like you're either further on the Ramones end or further on the Sex Pistols end and I always felt like the Ram- the Sex Pistols were more like it was more like theater you know what I mean <laughs> right. like whereas like the Ramones were just more kind of like like going like this do this mm-hmm. f- you know what I mean like that's mm-hmm. what I feel like that's the more the lineage I came from you know what I mean like cause it's like when I was like punk in high school it was like about like you know like having a really crisp like flannel and like nice you know what I mean like some kind of like you were supposed to like you didn't smell like shit you know you were supposed to like kind of like look handsome and like go to the show and like rock good you know what I mean like I don't know it's completely it's always funny to see what messages people get from seemingly like the same thing like Mm -hmm. this umbrella term like mm. it's also odd because you know someone with studs on their jackets and a mohawk in the East Bay at this point, it's sort of, they might as well be in like a rockabilly <laughs> outfit, you know, they like, might as well be dressed to go swing dancing. And they probably they well... do. I, I'm that still goes <laughs> down. Like, That's true. Like... But it's just so, it's so ancient now. Like, it's, it, it's all such, I mean, everything's always a costume, but at this point it's like historical dress piece. It's like kind of, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like the first punks to be hanging out in London with mohawks and studs, that was decades ago. It was forever ago. And people yeah. still rocking it is very quaint. It's kind of, I don't know, like, uh, yeah, no, yeah, for sure, like, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, but then I don't know, what's the other option, like, I don't know. That's the thing. <laughs> like, I guess there's, I mean, there's like, there's lots of electronic scenes, but then I don't, like that music started at the, oh, there's lots of like, <laughs> there's lots of like electronic scenes, but then like, then those scenes started around the same time too, like. A lot of them. Yeah, like, so I'm just like, yeah, we're, maybe we're all stuck. We're all wearing H&M. Dude, we <laughs> like, I total dress, I just like so normcore these days. I don't know, like. I feel like it's another symptom of like. I basically I dress like a substitute teacher, so no one knows what a raging hoe I am. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just easier. Like no, like I have like there's these pictures of me from the twenties with just like my balls hanging out of like shorts and blah blah blah. Like not saying I won't do it, but I'll do it like twice a year as opposed to like three hundred and sixty. I've days. seen you naked many times in the last year protest. It was on stage though. It was okay, for yeah, art. Yeah. yeah. God. <laughs> I'm sure it was for art back then too. No, I was yeah. I was naked last week at this party for no good reason at all. 
I was a little drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Who am I fooling? Yeah. I haven't changed. And I'm stuck. <laughs> Thanks, Brontes. Welcome, everybody, to the footnotes. You should hear and see and read Brontes's work. He doesn't have a proper website for some reason, but I'll link to his Facebook page and his band, The Younger Lovers, Facebook page in the show notes. I welcome your comments. Please come by and share them at whywelisten.org. And if we've introduced you to music that you want to hear more of, Please buy it in the highest quality possible, as directly from the artists as possible. Right now, in the background, we are listening to 53rd and 3rd by the Ramones. I'm Mark Kate. This is why we listen. Thanks for listening.